0: is just a joy maybe you noticed the title of our message this morning so you know we're going to be talking about the doctrine of salvation we as christians are tasked with the privilege of sharing our faith with the lost and and leading them to a saving knowledge of jesus christ now with that comes a great fear we are absolutely petrified sometimes Some people are afraid because they say, I don't know what to say. Or they might say, I'm afraid I'm going to push them further away from the Lord. I can address that last one pretty easily. They're lost, right? They don't know the Lord. So you can't push them any further than they already are. It's the first fear that I want to help you with this morning. The fear of not knowing what to say. I'm wanting to teach you what I would tell a person when I go out to witness to them. I want you to know what to say to someone so that you can lead them to the Lord. I'm telling you this because I want you to take very good notes this morning. I want you to write down these references in order because that's how you can share your faith very uh, distinctly with a lost person. And this idea came to me the very first time I went to a deacon's meeting, Brother Ron. Uh, One of the first things your deacons do in a deacon's meeting is pray for the lost and pray for our church to win people to Christ. And I thought, well, if they're going to pray about that, I'm going to have to preach about that, right? So that's what we're going to be doing um, this morning. Now, usually when I'm... um, Sharing someone with someone the plan of salvation. I want to begin with a diagnosis of their spiritual condition Think about it. You go to the doctor and they take you to that room and uh, The nurse comes in and begins to ask you a bunch of questions, right? You know what she's doing? She's diagnosing what's wrong so she can tell the doctor and then he can prescribe what needs to be done That's why I say the nurses do all the work (laughs) anyway, so um, They have a lot of questions. I only have two questions that I ask a person that I'm witnessing to. And there are three possible um, spiritual conditions. The first condition is that you're saved. I I ask the first question and the person has a testimony about Jesus Christ. The second condition is that they are saved, but they are a carnal Christian. A carnal Christian can be anybody from a newborn babe in Christ to a person who is backslidden or just not serving the Lord the way he should. And and they have doubts. And I I want to go on with the plan of salvation for that person to give them an assurance of their salvation and encourage them in the Lord. And then there's the third condition, and that is that the person is lost. And, And I try to determine where you are by asking you, One, and then possibly a second question. The first question is this. I'll ask a person, are you 100% sure if you die today that you would go to heaven? Now, you can phrase that any way you want to, but, um, you know, do do you know for certain that you're going to heaven when you die? Is it good enough? Now, many people will say something like, I don't think anybody can know for sure that they're going to heaven. Uh, If that's what you're thinking, or maybe you've heard that answer, or maybe even the answer is a definite no, you've determined that they're in that third group, that this this person is lost. Now, if that person after that first question says, Oh, yes, I'm going to heaven for sure. Well, that's when I come and I ask the second question. The second question is something like, Well, if you were to die today, and you stood before God, And he were to say, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And I get some blank stares from people. They don't know what to say. Uh, Again, if they do answer, their answers may vary. And I want to listen to them because it will help me determine their spiritual condition. Some people might answer and say, well, I've been good all my life. Okay. Okay. Another person might say, well, I've done more good than I've done bad, and I think it'll, it'll just weigh out in the end. I'll, I'll tip the scales my way. I've even heard people say, God would never send someone to hell. Then they might go, what well, if they Well, if they do say something like that, I always take them to John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. And Jesus talks about there that God would not... He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the, in order that the world might be saved through him. In the verse 18, he said, whoever believes in him, the son of God is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So the answer to that question is, no, God would not send a person to hell. That's on us. You see, we make that decision. Now, when you tell me any of these answers, no one can know, or I- I'm a good person, I take them to our text this morning. We're in, in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. I always start with that verse, when a person says that they don't know or um they're they're not sure and and here's what god says in first john 5 13 he said i write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of god that you may know that you have eternal life these things i write so that you may know That you have eternal life. Now, when they said, I don't think anybody can know, well, you've just shown them in the Word of God that God wants you to know. God wants you to know that you have eternal life. And He said, These things have I written. It's the Bible. God has given us His Word to assure us that we may know that we are saved, that we have eternal life. So I'll tell that person, I'd like to take the Bible and I'd like to explain to you how you can know for certain today that you are a born-again child of God, that you will live with Him in heaven. There are three things that you have to know, and the first is this. Realize that salvation is needed. Realize that salvation is needed. There are um, some that think that God's just going to let everybody into heaven. It's a free-for-all. There are churches that have taken hell out of the Bible, out of the preaching, out of the, their, their doctrine. They, they don't believe in a place called hell. There are some that have added a place called purgatory where you can go and, and uh, you have a second chance at getting into heaven. But Jesus said in the word of God in Matthew 7, 13, he said there are only two ways that we can go when we die. One leads to heaven, the other leads to eternal Destruction. Jesus encouraged us, enter into the narrow gate. That's the first way we can go. Then he talks about the second gate. For the gate that is wide and is a way that is easy that leads to destruction. And those that enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. So even Jesus tells us that there are only two ways. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. So let me give you two reasons why salvation is needed. First of all, salvation is needed because we have all sinned. And here's where I go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. And it says, there is none righteous, no, not one. None righteous, no, not one. And don't get worried about words. People always say, oh, don't use words like sin and righteousness. And, and uh. people of this world know those words. Believe me. They, they, they know what it means to be saved. You're in a fiery car and the policeman pulls you out. The paper says you were saved from that burning, fiery crash. People know what that word means. Righteousness. That, righteous is a word that people in our world use a lot. He's a righteous dude, man, you know. I'll I'll save that for the next service. (laughs) Righteous is an easy word. It just simply means right. Look it up in the dictionary. It's it's an easy word to define. The Bible says that no one has lived right. No, not one. You think maybe that's that's hard to believe, but it's true. You cannot live right right all the time there will be a bad word there'll be a bad thought there'll be a bad action but I'm somewhat encouraged by that verse because it says all have sinned you know what that means we're all in the same boat every one of us are exactly the same in God's eyes there is not one of us that is able to live right God does not value one person above another person. We have all sinned. And that's the next verse, Romans 3, 23. It says that very plainly. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Again, everyone, everyone has sinned. No one is better than you, and you're not better than anybody else. Because in God's eyes, sin is sin. And it only takes one sin, no matter how small, to prove that the Word of God is right. And we're gonna see in a minute how that's just the nature of man. Now that term that you see up on the board, falls short of the glory of God. It means to miss the mark. In fact, the broader definition of that from the Greek is miss the mark and so not share the prize. You don't get to share the gift of eternal life. Now, I was going to bring a great illustration for this, a great illustration. I brought an apple, and I was going to get a volunteer to come up here, and I was going to place it on their head. And I was going to come on the other side of the podium with my bow and arrow, and I was going to shoot this off of their head. Then I started thinking. You know, God gave me some wisdom. I started thinking, you know, uh, my illustration is for us to fall short right so i i sort of think how that would look if that arrow fell short the apple it wouldn't look too good and i don't think the volunteer having an arrow in his leg would like it so instead here's what i want you to do i want you to imagine in your mind a ladder okay a ladder a, a very tall ladder Uh, Get this in your head. I want you to really imagine it. See if you can picture that somehow. I think you guys have a pretty good imagination, you know? Uh, And so now imagine that at the top of that ladder is where God is. God is at the top of the ladder. That's where perfection is. Everything that is holy, everything that is good. And at the bottom of the ladder is the devil and everything that is evil and horrible and wicked, uh, distasteful, everything. The question that must be answered is, in your life, where are you on that ladder? Perfection is at the top, absolute evil at the bottom, where do you fit on the ladder? I don't think anybody would would say, hey, I'm perfect, I'm at the top. I'm perfectly perfect in every way. Well, maybe you feel like maybe I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad of a person. Then you'd say, well, I've not lived a real good life, but I'm not evil, I'm not wicked, I'm not down here. I'm just a couple steps from the bottom. Billy Graham was asked this question, I've been told, hey, it may be a myth, but anyway, he said he was on about the fifth step, somewhere in the middle. So where are you on this ladder? Where do you fit? Not wicked, but yet not perfect. What have you done? You've fallen short. Because the goal, the mark, the target, if you will, was perfection. And we're not perfect. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. No exception. And we need to be saved from our sin. Now the second reason that salvation is needed is because forgiveness, unforgiveness of sin brings spiritual death. Unforgiveness of sin brings spiritual death. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sin. Now this takes us back to Genesis. That one man who sinned was Adam. Adam and Eve were um, made perfect. They were sinless. They were placed into a perfect garden. They were going to live there forever with God. That didn't last too long. Adam disobeyed God. Adam told, God told Adam that you can do anything in the garden, but don't eat of the fruit of good and evil. And he said, in the day that you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Now we here in the church, we know the story, right? They didn't die, not physically, because it wasn't a physical death that God was describing to them. It was a spiritual death spiritual death is separation from god because what happened that day is that god came into the garden and said adam what have you done and he had to expel him from the garden and from the presence of god the the death that adam brought upon all men is separation from god spiritual death and you go well that ain't fair well You know, it it goes on in every one of our lives. You have blue eyes, where'd you get them? You got them through your genes. You got them through your your parentage. You have gray hair, you have have that through your parentage. All, All the physical features, all your, everything that you do, it comes from parentage. Well, our sinful nature comes from our first mom and dad, Adam and Eve, because they fell in the garden. And that sin had to be dealt with. In the garden, God took two innocent animals and sacrificed them for a covering for their sin. You see, the penalty had to be paid for. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death. Wages wages are what you get for the work that you have done. In other words, I get what's coming to me at the end of the week for the work that I've done. You get where I'm going? God is telling you at the end of your life, you're going to get what's coming to you. Separation from God. Separation from God. But, but, see, verse 23 goes on. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love that but. There's a difference between wages and gift. Wages I earn because of what I do. A gift you do not earn, it is free. But a gift has to be accepted. And that brings me to the second part of our our message today. Not only do we realize that salvation is needed, we have to realize that salvation has been provided. If we recognize that we have sinned, then we must also understand that we need a Savior. And the gift that God provided was the same thing that he provided for Adam and Eve in the garden. It was a sacrifice. In the garden, an innocent lamb. For you, for me, it was the innocent lamb of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins. We are forgiven of our sins, and we are reconciled to God through the death of Jesus Christ. Beloved, the good news of of the, the doctrine of salvation is that God wants you to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants it so bad he did not wait for you to come. He knows that you wouldn't come. He he came because he knew that you could not come to him. So Jesus came and he lived among us. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And at the end of that life, he laid his life down on that cross. He allowed those soldiers to nail him to that cross and lift him up. And as he was lifted up, he was hung between heaven and earth. He was suspended between a holy God and sinful man. And with one hand, it's as if he was holding on to God, and with the other, holding on to sinful man, and he was reconciling us. He was bringing us together by his death. He was providing a way for us to have a relationship with God. The amazing thing about God's provision for salvation is that the one offended is the one who paid the price. We sinned. We didn't have to pay the price. He did. God provided the sacrifice. God provided the payment for our sin. He provided a free gift that must be received. And that's the final thing that we learn in sharing our faith. The Word of God tells us we must accept... And express the salvation that God has provided. If salvation is a gift from God, then we must receive that gift. And it's it's received by faith, by prayer, by expressing, by confession. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 tells us, If you confess with your mouth... Now, that's the easy part. We we know what that means. We talk to God. We express it. We say, Jesus said, what's in your heart comes out of the mouth. So we, we make that decision in our heart. But with our mouth, we confess. What do we confess? That Jesus is Lord. We confess that he is God. And we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. He said, when you do that, you shall be saved. You will be saved. Now, we talk about have a prayer. uh, There's no prayer in the Bible. It's not there. It's just, it's a confession. And we express that confession. We, We say that. But it's that second part of that verse that can really hang us up. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. To believe means that you take it by faith. Now, I love the illustration. I've always heard, and you've heard it before, I'm sure, about the man at Niagara Falls who who walked the tightrope across. I've been there a couple times. Niagara Falls. You ever been to Niagara Falls? Man, a powerful place, wonderful place. And this guy strung a string across that whole thing and walked all the way across. And then he walked all the way back, and the crowd is just going crazy. And he says, you want to see me do it again? Yes. He says, does anybody want to come with me? You think I could carry somebody across? They're going, yes. And he picks out a guy who was saying yes. He said, get on my back. I'll carry you across. He didn't go. He believed with his eyes. He believed with his head, not with his heart. That's what God says we have to do. We don't take it by sight, we take it by faith. We believe with the heart. Someone said you miss heaven by 12 inches between the head and the heart. The people who believed only with the head, they cannot be saved because the Bible says to believe with your heart, meaning take it by faith. Let's say that somebody jumped on that guy's back and he started to cross that Niagara Falls on that little tiny little string. What could that man do on his back to help get across and get back? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. What can you do to help Jesus get you to heaven? Absolutely nothing. No works are involved. We just take his sacrifice on the cross. We receive that. We trust in him, we confess that, and trust him to get us to the other side. We need to place ourselves in the hands of God and let him take us over. Verse 13 is the the last verse, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you find yourself wanting to know this morning that you have eternal life, You can believe in Him today. The Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now listen, you may be here and and thinking or listening by radio, listening on, on YouTube. You may be saying, I've done something unforgivable. You're wrong. You have not. There is nothing that is unforgivable. And if you think you're good enough that you're going to get there on your own you are wrong there is none good no not one there is only one way to salvation jesus is the way so our invitation for you in the sanctuary for those listening to this is to come to jesus to know him because the bible says you can know you can be absolutely assured of this thing that you are saved not because of who you are or what you've done but because of who God is and what he has done. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you today with your lips confess Jesus? If you believe that you are a sinner, that you need a savior, would you make that confession? Like I said, there's not a prayer in the Bible that we go by, but one that will express what you're feeling. Just say this, say, dear Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And I trust you, Jesus, to take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With every head still bound, every eye closed, No one's looking around, but the Lord is. Maybe you prayed that prayer with us this morning. You want to make that a public confession of faith. Would you just raise your hand up? Let me see it so I can pray for you. Maybe you're on the radio, maybe you're listening. If you made that profession of faith, we need to hear from you. Because the next step is to come Make a public profession of faith. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would take this message and use it for your glory, that your saints would have a tool that they could use in in bringing other people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Lord God, if there's one person here today that made that decision, I ask that you would just compel them to come and let us help them with the next step in their spiritual journey, that we might be able to Pray for them and lead them in the right direction through your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.